This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Tic Tac. Minty, refreshing, classic. And it's not just the Tic Tac mints. It's the new track by Canise with beats that'll leave you feeling as refreshed as a Tic Tac and a vibe that'll take you on a ride through 100 layers of flavor. Does it get any fresher than this? Tic Tac, enjoy the bright side. That hundred layer joy ride. Pop one, let's paint the town. Freshman flavors all around. Take a ride on a Tic Tac. Pick up a pack of Tic Tac mints today. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. 12 on the shot clock. Shireman to his left hand. Shireman looks to drive. Goes under the basket. Comes out the other side with five. Now comes all the way around. Step back two. Yes! Oh, Baylor Shireman with two huge buckets. 5.35 to go. Jays up by 14. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio. AM 590 ESPN Omaha ESPN Tri-Cities and KFOR in Lincoln. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by our guy Matt D. Marinas of the White and Blue Review. Maddie, what's going on, man? Have you guys ever heard of a show called uh, Dairy Girl? <laughs> I, have, I have not, no. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Where? <laughs> so, uh, it's kind of like a, it's a, kind of an Irish coming-of-age comedy or whatever. It's on Netflix. Okay, and there's there's it's really chaotic, um, you know, in terms of like bickering and whatnot, and just snarkiness. But there's this character named Orla who is kind of always encouraging the chaos behind the scenes, never really contributing to it. <laughs> and that's how I feel. I like feel like I feel like her when I'm listening to you guys. Well, you know, <laughs> you're encouraging the chaos, but I'm not like, contributing yeah, get him, to Robbie. it. I'm like, yeah, get him, DB. Like, yeah. Well, you Tell do. Him. You do know your yeah. partner in crime over here is nuts, right? Like, these hot no, takes are what? killing me. Oh, by the way, though, our our mutual friend yesterday finally agrees with me and uh, Jacob that with the letdown game. Did you listen to that segment? Uh, yeah, I heard the gist of it. 
So, I'm, I'm, what let down or no let down? Are you Team Ravi or Team no. DB? I'm Team DB, no let down. Let's no go. Down. Let's go. I, That's fine. You can all be wrong. Well, <laughs> well, that, I, I knew he was going to say, this dude's conviction is irrational. <laughs> it is. He, no, he, he sticks to his guns. He Man, it has to be. How do you think I got here? In, in general, he's hard to budge in the first place. So it's like when he really Just physically, like, hard to budge. <laughs> yeah, physically, he's hard to budge, you know? Goodness. Uh, Matt... I, Go ahead. Well, I just felt, no, I mean, we talked about this on a post-game pod, too. Like, we didn't really see a letdown performance. I mean, we didn't see letdown prep, either. We thought, you know, they they prepared, you know, with some sharpness or whatever, um, with effort. You didn't, I didn't see them, like, coming out and being lackadaisical with details. I, I just think St. John's played better. Like, I thought, and I thought Creighton executed well enough to win the game. I just didn't think they were very sharp, you know. They missed their wide-open threes. Uh, you know, they turned the ball over at times, got bogged down in, in the offense and had shot clock violations that are uncharacteristic of them. Stepped out of bounds, you know, on some on some kind of set plays that created open shots. Like, it just, they just weren't very sharp, you know. I thought St. John's had, a, you know, was really tenacious and wanted to win that game, obviously, because basically their season's over if they don't. Uh but I didn't think Creighton let down from an effort or um, engagement standpoint. I just think they got outplayed, and I think that's that's not a letdown in my opinion. So, okay, Maddie, answer me this because I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said there. I, I maybe we'll push back on the execution a little bit. I didn't think they executed quite as sharply as they did say against UConn, which I understand is a very high bar, but. What do you call it if it's not a letdown game? And I'm open to other interpretations, okay? If it's not a letdown game. This is called a hill, and he's getting ready to no, unalive un- himself. No, I'm, I'm, I want other options here. If, if, I'm, if we're not calling it a letdown game, if there is a situation where, hey, they prepped like they should have, they gave effort like they should have, they just weren't quite as sharp or executed the way they should have, what do we call that? Do we just call it an off day? Do we have to label it? What, what do you call yeah. that? Well, I mean, could if the better team, if the better prepared team always here's, won, you'd never watch. That's what I'm saying. Here's the thing. You, here's the thing we get caught up in when we're trying. And this is this happens year round, sports talk show, fandom, media, whatever it is. We like narrow our lenses to just the team we either are a fan of or we cover, and that's not the full picture. Mm-hmm. So like, we're always you know if your team loses the game, you're like, what didn't they do X, Y, and Z that could have change the result but the other side of it is there's a team on the other side of the floor court field playing surface that's trying to win too so you have to balance out your columns in terms of what gets what what goes into the credit the opponent column versus what goes into the you know defect column for the team you're following or rooting for okay that's fair in my opinion opinion, that game had more in st john's column that they did to win the game than Creighton did to not play up to their standards. Okay. In terms of, like, just coming in saying, hey, we're big shots, we beat UConn, we're going to come in, roll the ball out, and beat this team because their coach just beer batter fried them in the media the other day, and they didn't look super solid against Georgetown. Like, we're going to roll over this team. They don't have anything for us. Like, that mentality wasn't there for Creighton. That's a letdown mentality, in my opinion. They didn't have that present. I thought St. John just took the game from them. 
Okay, that's I can agree with you that I don't think they came in thinking they were too big for their britches or whatever you wanna whatever you wanna phrase it, right? That's like a nineteen sixties phrase that I stuck stole from my mom, I think. But if you're if you're saying that St. John's just played better, Creighton is better than St. John's in a vacuum, right? Oh my gosh. No, I'm I'm asking mm-hmm. a question. Creighton is not yeah, better than St. John's in a vacuum. Is that or, or, yes or no? True, but it's the any given any given Sunday. Okay, like but any day, any day you can be. It's all about you hold know, on. Creighton is better than St. John's, but St. John's was better that day. Okay, so I agree. But how much of St. John's being better do we have to put on? Like, why were they better? Is there any part of Creighton's performance that allowed them to be better, or did St. John's have an out of body experience? Kind of, I mean, yeah, kind of a little bit of uncharacteristic experience based on how they played. Yeah. Although the the one thing that was uncharacteristic, listen, St. John's didn't turn the ball over. Creighton doesn't turn you over anyway. So right, if you're going to be St. John's and you're going to only have three turnovers, you're going to have 24 assists. You're probably playing pretty well. Like, I'm I'm not sure what Creighton is supposed to do about that. But the 24, the 24 assists can be can be chalked up to the way Creighton's playing defense, though, right? It could, but when you have a guy that was as hot as he was as with St. John's in the way that he was playing, coming off ball screen action, and you play drop coverage, some of those shots, he if he's going to make those. What are you supposed to do? Okay, but let me ask this. Okay, so how many times are we going to allow somebody to get hot from mid-range and just be like, oh, well, it's the drop coverage, and they're going to live with that? Like, how long are we going to continue to live with it? Because it's happened a few times now this year. So, like, at what point are we going to be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't just live with it anymore? I'm sorry, Maddie. I'm sorry. Is that a fair question? I'm I'm going to back away and just cheer right now. Get him. No, is that a fair question? Is it a fair question to ask? Like, hey, at what point do we not just live with the 14-footers when guys are making well, it? Peyton wasn't just – I mean, they, they didn't just play drop coverage, though. That's the thing. Like, it wasn't like they weren't actively trying to stop St. John's from scoring where they want to score. Like, just look at the type of shots. Early in the game, the first five minutes or so, maybe first four, I can't remember what, what the 20-10 to 10 encapsulated time-wise, but those shots were just like St. John's coming off simple middle pick and roll, stopping at the elbow, pulling up, raising up, and knocking down pretty uncontested shots. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. But the rest of the game, like, Trey Alexander was getting over those ball screens. Steven Ash was getting over those ball screens. They were shooting, like, with guys in their jersey. Uh, Kaufbender extended his his coverage out, you know, further up the lane. Um, I, I mean, I watched, like, three or four – I watched, like, three or four pull-ups from the – I watched like three or four pull-ups from the wing that touched every part of the rim and went in. Like, what? (laughs) Okay, but we had this exact same conversation when Butler did it. And, like, at some point it's not an aberration. It's a flaw. Well, what happened in the rematch with Butler and what happened in the first game with St. John? Yeah, that's fair. But, like, are are we just okay with the fact, like. Hold up, hold up, hold up. A lot of averages did play out in those styles. Are we just okay with flipping the coin, though? And just saying, like, hey, on some of these days, Creighton's just going to give up 90 to a, a team that's not that good offensively. That's basketball. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's a 40-minute game. So you're playing your percentages as much as you possibly can. I mean, because Creighton's not – Is it not reasonable to ask for them to have a changeup when St. John's does get – Okay, but not, not a very good one. Like, they hit the off-speed pitches, too. So what – your, your, your argument right now, I think, you're, where, you're, where you're landing or where you're, where you're holding your ground is – on effectiveness versus attempt, like they had, they had attempted to adjust 
St. John's just beat them. Hey, slot, slot these. Slot. <laughs> Maddie, slot, slot these teams for me in order because they they may very well be your four one seeds. Um, Houston, Purdue, UConn, and Arizona. Uh, Purdue, UConn. Um, hmm. What do I like better? I'm going to go – God, I don't want to do this. I, I'm going to go Arizona over Houston. Okay, God, so, okay so let me ask you this because this is kind of my point, and I'm almost glad you asked it that way. Big Caleb Love guy, huh? Why don't we <laughs> – I'm not. <laughs> you know I'm – why don't we no, – ceil- I think their ceiling is higher than Houston's, but I think Houston's floor is much, much higher than Houston's. Why don't we like Houston more? I just think it's because they're that, – like Jamal Shedd has to play – if he doesn't play well, it's a non-starter. Like they're, they're getting run out of the gym. But, so, but, and they don't have – Matt, Matt, Matty, they're, they're, they're 24 and 3. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. That's, that's called They're seven and three. They have seven Man. quad one wins. No, I know. That's I the know. second most that's in the country fair. behind Purdue and UConn. But when you look at UConn, Arizona, Purdue, they all have like one through five. They're 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 nasty. Houston's just kind of nasty in the backcourt, and like the wings play hard. But like you can, if you can beat them up inside you're really gonna have a field day with them like i don't love i don't love i love the way they compete i love their effort level i love how like just nasty they are but like there's holes there that can be exploited okay let there's me no one in the big 12, no one in the big 12 is built to do it hmm. that's what like they all none of them have like the ability to pop houston the way that like a yukon purdue or arizona can offensively is is Nebraska better than their metrics? Um, I think they're. I feel like they're about right. What what are they sitting at now? What's this stretch run done for them? Uh, they're like they're. Are they top fifty in both now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. So I think I'm just pulling up Ken Palm. Ken Palm, they're thirty four in Ken Palm. Yeah. Not overall, but 38 offensively, 33 defensively. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're top 40. Yeah. Yeah, so that's top 40 both, but not top 20 either. I think that makes sense because, like, they're – I think they're a little bit streaky. Um, I think they can get – they can get, uh, you know, picked apart a bit defensively, and sometimes they've given up, you know, some crazy offensive performances to other teams, and then they can also cook teams while struggle off. Like, there's a, there's a balance there in terms of just enough – bad with good that I think they fit. Yeah, I think their metrics are spot on right now with the way they're playing. Top 40 in both. We were kind of picking top apart top. the middle of the conferences the other day. Do you, mm-hmm. do you Are you closer to knowing who Providence is or Michigan State? Oof. Uh, I have no idea who Michigan State is. <laughs> Why does every – so everybody says that. I think that's well, amazing. I think that's amazing. With Izzo, right? Yeah, I mean – well, I mean, look, if you look at lately, the way they've been lately, not really. Like, they're, they've been a double-digit lost team for, what, four years running now, five years running? Like, they're, I don't know, man. That's kind of who they've been. They're really talented. You know they're, you know they've got a legendary coach, and you know that there's, like, when postseason time rolls around, they bring a certain type of level to them that, for some reason, is a consistent part of their program. But as they're going through it, 
that, yeah, they've never really been one of those teams that's just going to like dominate a season and be a you know top, you know top four or five seed or top three seed the last few years. You know, it's kind of been this has kind of been who they've been the last you know this decade at least. I think. I think these two teams have some eerie similarities, um, except one has the true point guard, Marquette or Illinois. Marquette, Illinois is so wishy-washy to me. God, they're big. They, they, that is a big, long so stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're a team that, like, can win a national championship. They're, they're, Illinois? They, yeah. yeah. You just don't trust them to win six in a row in, in three weeks. That's the thing. Mm. But they're, 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 like, their high-end game is built for it, for sure. It's just – that's the thing with, with March is, like, you – your national champion – and you're is going to have a high floor. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're going to have a, they're going to have because you're not always going to play your best in the NCAA tournament. That that's just not realistic. Um, you know, even even I don't especially even with quick turnaround on scout and scouts and stuff. But yep. that's actually yep. where I worry about UConn. But I have to kind of wash that away because they want they they want a title. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that's a team that's going to play much different over uh, from a Thursday to a Saturday. You talking about Illinois or UConn? UConn, but they won. You yeah, know what I mean? That's what I mean. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, they're, I think their ceiling. I think that maybe the gap between their floor and their ceiling is is wide, but their their floor. When you look at their floor compared to anyone else's, like it's like that's why you trust them, or why you should anyway. Because like, and that's the thing with Illinois. It's like you do you trust them that on their bad day they'll figure it out? I don't. Mm. That's why. That's why. You know. That's why I think there's only a handful of teams, despite the parity that we've seen this year. There's only a handful of teams that are gonna, you know, that are actually capable of going six for six in three weeks. Then who's the next best team in the Big East? Um, that's a that's a tough question. I think you know. I don't think I, I don't think Creighton played um, poorly in Milwaukee. I think they did some things that. Contribute. I think they had more to do with their loss than Marquette maybe did. Yeah, because they'll be avenging that one next week. Yeah, right, I'm right. Really right, right, write that one down too. Yeah, I'm curious to see that rematch because I think Creighton's offense is a lot better than it was in that middle part of the season. A lot more consistent, despite mm-hmm. the you know the poor shooting that they just had at MSG. Like I think they're, I think they're in a better place now um, than they were the first time these two teams played. But I also think Marquette's kind of coming on. You know, aside from you know, getting pistol whipped at UConn. Like, they're getting, you know, they've, they've, been, they've been playing. So, um, I like that. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see that rematch. That'll probably, I, I don't want to cop out and not answer, but I, I feel like that's going to decide it right there. That might answer it for us. We're talking with Matt. Saturday. We're talking with Matt DeMarino, so the white and blue review. A uh, couple Creighton tidbits to, to clean up here. Um, sounds like Mac and Creighton are working towards an extension that, essentially would finish out his career here on uh, in Omaha. Uh, any level of surprise? Is this what you expected to happen all along? Obviously, it's not finalized yet, but assuming it gets done, um, just how have you processed kind of that latest bit of information that's come out in the whole McDermott saga? Um, I, I don't know if I would hatch that chicken just yet. I mean, I just don't – I don't know if that, that – that to me was – Premature, you um, thought? I don't know if it's premature, but I think there's a PR game being played right now, and I think people need to kind of understand that. You know, there's a there's a Creighton side of it, and then there's a 
Mac agent side of it. So, so let's say the agent's the one that leaked, hey, Ohio State is interested. You're saying maybe Creighton leaks, like, hey, we're trying to keep him here. I don't think I don't think the agent necessarily leaked that Ohio State is interested, but I think when you look at, like, the two big tweets yesterday, or reports, whatever you will, um, where one was from Tom Chattel saying Creighton's, you know, nearing a deal that will allow Mac to retire at Creighton, which is, you know, I mean, you'll still go through this every single year because buyouts are a thing. Um, and then you have Good- Jeff Goodman, you know, reporting that it's not imminent and everything else. So that's, that's the agent point of view saying, no, like if you're uh, looking for a new head coach, keep these offers coming, rise, dra- drive that number up. And then if you're looking at it from the Chattel tweet point of view, that's Creighton saying, hey, we're locking up our guy. We're doing all we can. Like that's a message to the fan base saying, hey, like back off a second. We're working on it. And then the national point of view is like, um, no, that number's still rising and the leverage is still being played. So I don't think anything definitive happened yesterday, in my opinion. Based on what I know, I don't think anything definitive happened yesterday. I think it's just a PR game right now. At the end of the day, how do you think this ends up playing out? Um, that's a tough prediction because, like, there's – I mean, right now, the, what they're dealing with right now is, like, they're just trying to – like, I don't think it's a distraction right now. I think they're just locked into the season because they have a bunch of guys who – probably aren't coming back next year anyway, you know, and they don't really care. Normally this stuff is, is can potentially create a rift where you're like, hey, is this guy really, like, invested in me right now? That's not going to really exist on this team because of the veteran nature of it. So there's not really – I don't think there's going to be a point where this has to – where this is part of the narrative of the season. So after the year, it's just really kind of everything's up in the air. I know that recruiting class coming in, <clears throat> they're really excited about it, and I'm sure those guys are excited to be at Creighton. But I also think like they're they they're more excited to play for just that coaching staff and that style of the system. So I think wherever they're coaching next year, those guys will all follow. Um, if I had to bet on it, if you're making me like put my put something on it, mm-hmm. I would bet that Axe back next year. But I don't know even if even if that's what ends up happening, I don't know if any of the things that are actually causing these risks necessarily are cured or fixed and we won't be doing this again next year and the year after and however long it goes for you know i like maddie <laughs> matt you mentioned a lot you mentioned a lot of these guys got a lot. i i i'm i'm inclined to be i'm inclined to more agree than not matt i'm just telling you how i feel matt you mentioned a lot of these guys uh likely not back next year you know, there's some rumors floating around there about a couple of them that maybe we didn't anticipate being back, kind of giving it another run. Would you be shocked if Ryan Kalkbrenner and or uh, Stephen Ashworth returned for a, a fifth year? I wouldn't be shocked if Ashworth returns. Is there a rumor going that he's not going to return? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just guys that could return that probably – I'm putting out the guys that yeah. could return that don't have – a clear-cut NBA future, necessarily. Oh, okay. I would be shocked if Kalkbrenner comes back because I think he's the level he's playing at right now. Like, what more can the guy do to prove himself? And then the other part of it is, like, you know, depending on how they play in the tournament, that could raise the – I mean, every year we see, like, the end of the tournament always throws these, like, draft mocks, like, completely out of whack. You almost have to ignore the ones that happened for the first, you know, five months of the season or four months of the season. Um, because when someone goes off the NCAA tournament, all of a sudden they just shoot up the ladder. 
and it makes you wonder what evaluators are even looking at in the first place the whole time because they aren't necessarily outliers. They're just spotlighted more. Um, so, yeah, I think Hawkwinner, I don't know why why Hawkwinner isn't one of these, just based on what he can do, why he doesn't fit organizationally in the NBA right now. Uh, I think you'd, I think he's, there's a lot of value to who he is as a player, person, and teammate that doesn't necessarily need to translate into an all-star or an all-defensive guy right away, but can be of value to you when you're filling out your roster because, you know, the teams that win championships are the ones with the strongest, weakest links, right? You know, you're, you know, it's not about necessarily how top-end good you are, but how much stabilization there is, uh, you know, down the rest of the roster. So I, I, I think he has a lot of value, and I'm surprised that <clears throat> other centers across the country get more notoriety and love for their skill sets than Ryan Cochraner does. I think it's just because of the aesthetic, maybe. Like, he doesn't always, you know, have the flashiest game, but, man, it's effective. So I'd be shocked if he comes back because I think he's ready to be a pro. I think he is a pro already. I think he plays and prepares like one every day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I also know, like, you know, he's he he likes it here and you know the NIL component is sometimes throws up a number at him that's good that's gonna be better than his first year in as a pro then maybe he'll take it. So yeah. I could see it being up in the air maybe, but it would shock me. And maybe he likes living in Omaha better than he'd like living in Latvia. We don't know. Never, um, never a dull awesome. moment, Maddie. I love it. <laughs> that's Matt D Marinas here <laughs> from the White and Blue Review. Thank you, Maddie. That is uh, our good friend Matt DeMarin. It's coming up next. We're going to do a little hurt at Hot Seat and try and wrap up maybe some loose ends that we've got floating around out here from the entire show. Need a barber to trim them up. Yeah, a little bit here. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lowe. we got more coming up next.